Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever this may reach you. My name is Isaiah Bella, and welcome to the first official episode of the Midwest Sports Hour podcast. It is Friday, lots of drama happening the last couple days over several sports, and today we are going to start with the NBA. Free agency has been well underway, lots of blockbuster moves. I think there's already been like like four or five different Supermax players on the first day. This is day two. And the Chicago Bulls have done pretty much nothing. I mean, they did make a couple small moves that were essential to the direction that this organization is going. They started by letting a lot of players leave the roster. Uh, Troy Brown Jr., Matt Thomas, not coming back. Um, I don't believe that they exercised Tony Bradley's option to stay with the team, which brings me to the first signing of free agency for the Chicago Bulls in Andre Drummond. At this point, you know, Andre Drummond, he's 28 years old. Two years, $6.6 million is a lot of great value for him because, you know, if you're trying to build a rotation around Nikola Vucevic, for the future, Andre Drummond is a great place to start. Uh, the Bulls had a lot of rebounding problems and interior defense. And Andre Drummond is a career double-double. He's, um, I don't remember, the, the, the stat escapes me, but I believe he's the only player, one of the only players in NBA history to average like 12 points, 12 rebounds, and 53% shooting. For his career. So as a backup center. That's you know one of the best backup centers. You could possibly get. The Bulls were eyeing. Several other players. Uh, one of them being Isaiah Hartenstein. I know that was my favorite. Of theirs to sign. And he just signed a two year deal. With the Knicks. Uh, we heard so many rumors. On so many different players. John Collins is one player that popped up. Would have really liked him. Uh, currently, they're looking at Danilo Gallinari, a player that already has previous experience with Arturis Karnishevis and Billy Donovan. Solid shooter, can spread the floor as a big man. He would be a really solid rotational player for this lineup. Uh, I'd be pr pretty excited about that. But aside from those couple names, the Bulls have not really done much. As of about a couple hours ago, they did do the one thing that they wanted to do since the beginning of free agency, which is re-sign Zach Levine to the max. Now, this move is a key proponent of the future of the Chicago Bulls. His growth with the team is really unlike anything I've seen with anyone else in the NBA, besides maybe Giannis. But, you know, Zach Levine didn't put on like 10 pounds of pure muscle over an offseason to do what Giannis does. Zach Levine, when he came to the league, was really just a highlight dunker. He wasn't a proficient three-point shooter. He uh, he didn't really run the floor at all. He wasn't a floor general. Now he does all those things. He's one of the most efficient shooters in the NBA. On a bum leg last year, he averaged like 26 points, 27 points per game. Six rebounds, 
at one point during the season, him and DeMar DeRozan were averaging literally the same numbers. It was really scary how similar their style of play was. And DeMar was an all-star. So if that tells you anything, Levine's worth it. And I know a lot of fans around the league think he was worth it because they wanted him on their team. So many, they're, they're so quick to the photoshops on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen him, I've seen him in jazz jerseys, um, Lakers jerseys, Hawks, which is shocking to me because I can't remember the last time the Chicago Bulls had a player that highly coveted. It's just so unusual to see how far he's grown over the past three, four years. So glad they were able to lock him up for the next uh, five years. I think is $216 million. But regardless, he is still only a small piece of the puzzle. The Bulls need wing shooters, like really badly. Last year, the Bulls were one of the worst shooting teams in the league once DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine leave the floor. And Nikola Vucevic didn't really do them any favors at different points in the year. But let's say, let's say the Bulls do end up signing Danilo Gallinari at the end of, at the end of the night. You're looking at a lineup of Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams at the four, and Nikola Vucevic at the five. Gallinari would probably fill in for Patrick Williams and Zach Levine. Kobe White would have to stay. He'll come off at the point. Alex Caruso coming in at the two. So there's your starting five plus insurance, and that's really not going to do it. I'm wondering, because if you remember at this point last year, the Chicago Bulls had already signed Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and Alex Caruso, which was, that that's crazy to me. And you gotta wonder if the slow movement on day one and two means that they're building up a package for a bigger move. We already mentioned John Collins earlier. Um, I don't think I don't think Mitchell Robinson is available at this point. I think he I think he just resigned with the Knicks. So they have their rotational bigs. Mo Bamba, I believe, is on the move. Chris Boucher, I don't think is available anymore. So who else could it be? I have a name that I really like. Super unrealistic in Kevin Durant, who is still looking for a trade partner right now. But as far as we know, the Bulls have already contacted the Nets about a possible trade. Nobody knows what is in that proposed trade package. I could only imagine, because I I know that the Nets are asking for two All-Stars. The Bulls have two All-Stars to give outside of Zach Levine. Zach Levine, I believe, is the only true untouchable player on the roster. Probably Patrick Williams, too. So imagine this. Imagine this. You give up DeMar DeRozan, one of your more efficient shooters of last season, Nikola Vucevic, who is your starting center, as many picks as they want. At this point, picks in the NBA are just not as valuable in my mind, they're just not as valuable aside from trade packages, among other assets. Obviously, you're going to have to throw in someone else like maybe a Kobe White. They can't give up Lonzo Ball. So, DeMar Rosen, Nikola Vucevic, and several firsts. I can't even wrap my head around who else they could have offered. But you got to think most of anything they could put up is worth it for Kevin Durant. 
I believe uh, the last I saw, Caesar Sportsbook had him at the fourth best odds of landing in Chicago. The top three, I just don't really think there's a chance. Uh, Kevin mentioned that he wanted to go to maybe the Suns or the Heat. I don't really personally think that's going to happen. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either. Uh, they asked for a Devin Booker type of trade. So you got to think for the Heat, that would be Jimmy Butler. And I just, I don't see that happening. If anything, Kevin Durant wants to play with those players. I also heard the uh, Celtics being a, a, a suitor for him. Uh, I'm not real sure what they'd be willing to give up for him. And I, I don't know. Call me biased. I just don't see him. Uh, I just don't see a team as well suited for him as the Chicago Bulls. He's going to find a trade partner soon. And he mentioned that he wants to play with Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving announced recently that he was going to opt into his his contract, which was like $37.5 million or something like that. And then that's when Kevin Durant announced that he's going to force a trade. So Kyrie wants to go wherever Kevin's going, but he wants to go to the Lakers. From what I've read, the Brooklyn Nets aren't really looking to accommodate any of Kyrie Irving's requests. They're just, whatever the best package they can get for him is, they're going to send them there. So the Lakers are probably unlikely, and so is getting a trade partner alongside his buddy Kevin Durant. So wherever Kevin decides to go, they're probably going to be contenders. And I'm telling you, uh, last year was the first time that I bought a Bulls jersey with my own money. I bought a DeMar DeRozan jersey. He gave us a spectacular season. I think he's one of the more magical mid-range shooters in the league. And I would make that trade in a heartbeat. It's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant alongside Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and Patrick Williams, and Lonzo Ball. That pushes you over the top. You're not looking at someone like him as a complimentary piece. You don't need DeMar DeRozan in that case. You, you give up whatever it takes and you build around them. Levine and Durant are your official building blocks of the offense and the defense. You know, the players will come after. People want to play with Kevin Durant. So we'll just have to see. I know that the Bulls were not listed as a, uh, a top priority spot for Kevin. So I ain't going to get my hopes up on that. But I also would not be surprised because this offseason has been truly wild. Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks for, I think it was, I remember how much it was. It was like $116 million, I want to say. That's a lot of money. And free agency just started. So we'll have to see. And speaking of super deals that have gone down in the past couple days, I, I don't think anybody saw this coming with the Big Ten Conference. As of yesterday, USC and UCLA had announced that their application to the Big Ten Conference has been accepted. And I don't know if anything else needs to go through, but they're going to start Big Ten play in two years, 2024 season. That's insane to me because who saw who saw this coming? Now, I know that people kind of had their eye on teams trying to just join two like super conferences somewhere down the line and splitting them up in four divisions because that's just kind of the direction that college football is heading right now. But I digress. 
This is a huge move. It's a huge loss for the Big 12, who already released a statement immediately after. Uh, They made it sound like in their statement they weren't even aware that this application was happening. And they said something along the lines of, we're really disappointed in this development. Um, This is still a really great conference, and we're going to continue to put forward iconic football. That's, that's essentially what they're saying. And if any of you guys know, USC and UCLA are two very iconic, storied football programs. USC, I think, is third all-time for Heisman winners. UCLA is up there. They've both won national championships. It's been a while for either one of them, but USC is the growing brand of the two. They're huge in recruiting right now. They just got Lincoln Riley to move over from Oklahoma. Caleb Williams just transferred there to be their starting quarterback. And there are actually several Michigan recruits who are on that roster right now from the last cycle. If anything, this will strong, like very strongly affect recruiting in the very near future. I think this is huge. Um, Michigan, in specific has taken a big step forward in their recruiting in different areas of the U.S. Um, Typically, they've done a pretty good job of recruiting in SEC country, and I believe they had a couple L.A. recruits uh, meet last cycle. So for Michigan, Michigan State, um, even Ohio State, I believe this is going to be a big boost and man, Lord knows the the, the Wolverines kind of need it. <laughs> They're not not doing so hot on the recruiting trail at the moment. But I digress. Think about the potential matchups down the line, new rivalries that are going to be formed. I can already see the jokes coming with, you know, the the whole weather changing aspect of the whole thing. You see what happened last year with uh, C.J. Stroud being a Cali boy coming into the big house in Ann Arbor. Like, just imagine what a UCLA-Penn State game is going to look like in late November. I want to see a Michigan-USC rivalry. I think that would be really fun. My question is, who who would join the East and who would join the West? Because I think, I think you have to split them up. I would hope that with teams joining like this, they would try to shake up the power structure of the Big Ten Conference. Because... It's pretty it's pretty universally known that the top 4 teams in the Big 10 are are as such in no in no particular order right now. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and sometimes Wisconsin on the other side of the conference. And those top 4 teams are all in the East. This would mean so much more for the Big 10 title. Last year, nobody wanted to see Michigan versus Iowa. I hate to say it, but Iowa was just not worthy of a number two ranking when they had it. And I don't think they were deserving of a top 10 ranking at the time they faced Michigan. They just don't, they just didn't have the roster for it. And everyone saw the fans of this conference deserve a Michigan Penn State, Ohio State Penn State, Ohio State Michigan State. Um, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Wisconsin. Can you imagine what a Michigan-Ohio State Big Ten championship would look like? 
what does this mean for other potential suitors for joining the conference or the SEC? Who do we think would be next? I think the most obvious answer to me would be Notre Dame. Notre Dame has had several chances to join the Big Ten financially and in terms of competition that would be the best move for them. I think the biggest question mark of that deal is, you know, just how bad does the organization want to get to a national title? Every year, the same argument has to be made. Notre Dame, in order to get into the playoff, basically have to go undefeated. They lose one time and that ruins everything. They lost to Cincinnati last year and swore up and down they deserved to be in that fourth spot. And who'd they give it to? They gave it to Cincinnati. Whereas when you're in a conference, it doesn't matter if you have that one loss, that one blemish on the record, because you still have quality wins and you still have the conference championship to play. Michigan had previously lost to Michigan State. So their only hope of going to the college football playoff would be to remain undefeated for the rest of the season and beat Ohio State at home, which Ohio State was on a tear recently. I think they were ranked number two in the nation by the time they met up with Michigan. And being ranked number two, they had already lost to Oregon. So that that kind of solves it right there. But anyway, they meet up in late November. Michigan handles them, 42-27. And that gave them, that solidified their spot in the top four with Bama, Georgia, and Cincinnati. I can't name one other scenario where Notre Dame would overtake those spots. They don't have a single win that's more impressive than any of these, you know, like uh, uh Michigan Penn State, I don't think they have I don't think they have a a staple that puts them over the top like that. Who was their one like big blowout win last year? I can't remember. I'm going to have to look that one up. Their one very big win last year was Wisconsin when Wisconsin was still ranked somewhere around the top 15 and they played the game in Chicago which Wisconsin was on a down on a on a downward slope at that point and lost their ranking. All of your best rivals are now in one spot and you have a chance to prove yourself against all of them. Maybe even the potential, you maybe even have the potential to form new rivalries, which I think is exciting. What, being able to see Notre Dame in a whiteout at Penn State would be super exciting. But only time will tell. I personally think that it's inevitable, but we'll see. They know a little bit more than I do. This is only the, this is only the beginning. USC, UCLA, this move forms a lot of traction. In the college football world, um, some are some are excited about it, some are disappointed. But at the end of the day, it's more college football, and I think that's I think that's a good thing. And with that, we've run out of time today. Today starts Fourth of July weekend, so wherever you are, I hope you're having a good time. Tune in next time as we take a little deep dive into Detroit sports and the direction that the Pistons and Lions are heading right now. And we're also going to take a look at the aftermath of the NBA free agency. 
plus where we see the Chicago Bears going into training camp, Justin Fields' development, Darnell Mooney's confidence, all really good stuff coming up next week. And with that, my name is Isaiah Bella. Tune in next time, and we'll see you then. Peace.